Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Some members of the Democratic Party have been frustrated with Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema and her demands to trim down the $3.5 trillion social spending package. But you have to look beyond just the headline of all of that. What are her legislative priorities? And is there all that much to really be upset about as far as her fellow Democrats? Uh, great piece today, Amber Phillips, who's a political reporter for The Washington Post and authors the five-minute fix newsletter, which is part of my day every day, finding that quick analysis of the day's biggest political news. And she joins us on the line now to break it down just a little bit. Amber, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Boyd. So uh, you you really made a, an interesting case, I think, in terms of uh, what Kirsten Sinema, senator from Arizona, what she wants in the spend, spending bill and what we know and how that actually lines up. So give us just kind of the, the broad brush. What is it? She's been a little more under the radar than uh, Senator Manchin has been from West Virginia in terms of demands and what he wants. So what is it that the senator from Arizona is after? Yeah, so we're trying to piece that out because her office says we don't negotiate in the press. She feels really strongly that this is stuff that should be happening behind closed doors. And then when the bill passes, she'll talk all about, you know, what's in it and why she voted for it or didn't like it. Um, But that's frustrating constituents in particular in Arizona who feel like they want to be able to advocate for against a particular priority um, before, you know, to, to influence her vote and how they represent her. So I've had to try to piece together little bits and pieces that are leaking here and there and, and do my own reporting to confirm whether that stuff is, is accurate um, for what she is interested in, because what she wants is going to shape the bill because she's willing to hold out her votes uh, until she gets what she wants. So uh, she really wants it to cost a lot less. And it looks like she's going to win that battle uh, along with Joe Manchin. She wants it to cost you know, she hasn't laid out a number, but Democrats are considering now this costing half as much as the $3.5 trillion they originally suggested. Uh, and, and part of the reason she wants it to cost less is she doesn't want to raise taxes. Biden said, I'm only going to raise taxes on the rich and on corporations to pay for this. But she's been skeptical about raising taxes, period, on corporations or the rich. And so if Democrats don't have enough money to pay for these proposals by raising taxes, they have to cut a lot of proposals. Uh, she's also been. Oh, please cut me off anytime you oh, want. No. <laughs> she's also no. skeptical. No, go go right ahead. I, I have one big question. I'm going to ask you, but go, keep going. Sure. <laughs> well, another another big item for how Democrats want to pay for this legislation is to allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices, and they hope that will save Medicare and thus the government money that they can pour into expanding other social safety net legislation. And she's been really skeptical of that as well. Um, and then I think what's lesser known is what she's for real quickly. is She wants yeah. to push for a climate change proposal. She's been excited about that. And she does talk about how she's a former social worker. And so my reporting indicates that, that she's not opposed to some of these big social policies to expand the federal safety net for 
working people. Yeah. And so, so I think as you, as you look through that, again, those are a lot of things that are very much in line with what the president has laid out in terms of priorities. You talk about climate change and the social safety net, uh, Medicare and so on. Uh, so all of those things do seem to line up. She she just seems to be a little more focused uh, in terms of the cost and, and the pay-fors. One of the things that I noticed in your reporting was that uh, this idea that she really is kind of going in a really radical concept kind of way, <laughs> going through line by line in, uh, in the big right. bill to get specifics. Tell us more about what you found out there. Yeah, a source described to me someone... To, excuse me, it sort of described her to me as someone who's a policy walk through and through um, and just he wants to understand how things would work for people in Arizona. So uh, my colleague Mike DeBonis had reported that she's asking senators questions about specific items they're proposing in the bill. One of them is a civilian climate core group that's aimed at creating jobs while fighting climate change. And my colleague reported that cinema came up to the senator who proposed it, Chris Coons from Delaware, and say, hey, could this be grown quickly to scale? Uh, you envision this, you know, growing, ex- employing X amount, thousands of people. How do you do that? And and Coons told my colleague, Mike DeBonis, yeah, that's a reasonable question. And, and I, it, it under, I'm summing up here, but it underscores for him that she's really thinking very carefully about what some of the stuff means for Arizona, but again, doing it privately so that constituents can't uh, try to lobby her when they hear she might be swaying one way or the other on an issue. Uh, that's so interesting. Uh, one, I, I love any member of Congress who's going to go line by line and ask hard questions of, of both sides. Again, this is yeah. an equal opportunity chance there for sure. Uh, and so I think that is a, a good thing and an important thing. Uh, so as you see things starting to to pivot a little bit and the numbers coming down, uh, what does that uh, what does that mean for Senator Cinema? What do you expect uh, coming from her and out of her office over the coming days? I really don't know. Uh, that's a great question, and you know, people I talk to in her orbit also don't know. In part because she's doing some of these conversations so privately <laughs> that people in in her orbit on Capitol Hill aren't really sure what she might be thinking, but. Um, I think it, I think the options expand the gamut for, for Senator Senator and what she might support. Uh, Democrats on Capitol Hill and President Biden feel confident they're nearing some kind of an agreement. I think it's possible Senator Sinema supports that agreement. But I also think it's equally as possible that she decides to tank the whole thing by saying, nope, 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 X, Y, and Z can't happen. Um, and the White House has said... They they are in constant contact with Senator Cinema, but they haven't said when asked that they know exactly what she wants. And I think that's an important point here. Uh, she maintains she's negotiating with these top negotiators, but the White House has denied when given the opportunity to say, are you really clear on what she wants? So there's a risk that yeah. she could come out at the very end and, and blow the whole thing up. She, she may have a little uh, John McCain from the left uh, going <laughs> on in Arizona yes, there. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, so I want to ask you one last question, and, and that is, so you mentioned this fact that she is, you know, keeping things so close uh, to the vest in terms of what she's looking at and where she stands. Uh, and, and there's kind of two components to that. There's one, it, it keeps her out of the, the lobbyist fray uh, in terms of, we know the lobbyists are in full tilt uh, on Capitol Hill trying to make sure all the nooks and crannies right. stuff is, is in. But you also raise this important thing of her constituents aren't able to really weigh in. How do you think that's playing in, in Arizona or anything from your reporting that's bubbling up there? 
Yeah, I well, we have seen uh, that some activists feel like they need to get a hold of her so badly they follow her into a bathroom stall when she's back in Arizona. This really famous, infamous moment from a couple weeks ago to try to get her attention. She's been mobbed at airports. She's been filmed on airplanes. Um, she is someone that activists, in part, I think in part because of her silence, and activists in Arizona specifically feel like they need to be really aggressive to try to get a hold of, although she has issued statements saying that essentially is the opposite of how you try to talk to me. But I'm hearing just casually from constituents after I wrote this story who say, hey, you know, I'm someone who's frustrated with her, too. Um, that being said, I, I don't know that someone who's really supportive of Senator Senator would feel a need to, to write to Washington Post reporter and let her know that. But um, I'm hearing casually that, that there's just this sense on the left in particular that they feel like the senator isn't representing her. And that's a tough position for her to be in because she needs those voters when she's up again in two years. But she also needs Republicans and independents in the state in order to win again. Yeah, that's right. And uh, again, looking at the uh, the policies, and you outlined these so well, Amber, in terms of things that she is for, whether it's the you know, from her background in social work or climate change, those kinds of things, uh, prescription drug pricing measures, uh, those all seem very much in alignment. Uh, and this is just one of those where is it is it just the cost? Is it the who pays for it? Uh, really fascinating stuff. But I think this is this is a really good uh, model for us to look at, again, on both sides of the aisle in terms of what are we really asking of our members of Congress in terms of reading the bill, negoti- really negotiating things so that uh, we can know what it costs and, more importantly, we can know what the, the outcomes are so then we can hold everyone accountable uh, in elections. And uh, I think that's the real crucial place that we've got to get. Amber Phillips, political reporter for The Washington Post, uh, someone you should read. Uh, her five-minute five fix newsletter uh, is a great five-minute fix for me. Uh, really great, quick analysis of the day's biggest political news. Amber, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me on, Boyd. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, we're going to step aside for a quick bottom-of-the-hour break. A lot of haggling over debt ceiling recently. We're going to take that fight a little bit different coming up. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.